0: You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network.
1: Are you worried that uh, healthcare is impersonal? Or are you concerned that you won't be able to connect with your patients in the same way that you have in person, but you're now forced to connect remotely during the pandemic? Are you wondering if telehealth could actually improve your connection with patients in these times and not quite sure how to do that?
2: This is Primary Care in a Pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm a medical anthropologist working in primary care at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice.
1: And I'm Morgan. I'm a family doctor working in the inner city and faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU.
2: And in this episode, we're going to talk about supporting relationship-centered care through telehealth.
1: The reality today is we're working remotely much more than we intended.
2: And really, this happened all of a sudden for most providers.
1: I think, Sarah, we're worried that we aren't as connected or doing as good a job or we can't do as good a job because we can't necessarily see our patients or we can't assess them in the same way we would because of the limitations of technology. And I think that's somewhat true.
2: And also, you know, patients have different limitations in terms of their own access and comfort with remote technology and how they can use the technology. So today we wanted to share with you ideas from two family doctors who found benefit to using telehealth.
1: And our hope is that you can take away some of these ideas and and apply them to your own practice. First, one of the ideas was to be successful, you want to meet people where they're at, especially with technology. This is as big a disruption for our patients as it is for us as providers. And if we can reduce that technology barrier, all the better. So being flexible is key. Be ready to switch to a plan B if plan A isn't working. And sometimes plan B is the phone. Now, this is especially true for patients who are less comfortable with technology, and you want to make the options simple and keep things easy, especially for that first visit, and then you can build up from there.
2: So the phone is a great place to start. Putting the patient's comfort and capacity with telehealth and their preference first um, is really very patient-centered. And patients appreciate you being able to adjust and support their needs in this way.
1: And that's that's a really good point. Being able to be flexible and understand what the need is and try to adapt just shows another way that you're caring about what their needs are. We had the opportunity to reach out to Dr. John Polovich, who's a family doctor in BC. He's been doing telehealth for over a decade now, uh, supporting patients that he works with in remote communities. He's able to continue to see patients through telehealth when he's not there. He's gone so far as to actually create his own telehealth room in his house to make this a reality, he's found that it's really helped him maintain and develop those relationships over time and over distance.
3: Over the months and the years, the, the trust with the technology kind of paralleled the trust with the provider in the sense that we, we all were, were considered safe. And very quickly, the technology kind of just faded into the background as a, a non-issue. And then it's just humans who know each other talking to each other and, help, and helping one another. And, and I think that's the story to be told is, is that, in fact, the technology actually nurtured and uh, really enriched the relationships in a way that the historical model never could because of the absence of communication when people
1: weren't in the community. Today, we're moving beyond telehealth in remote health clinics to telehealth in the patient's homes. And John is leading in that area too.
3: And I, I would say that what we're seeing right now is an example of patient-centered care at its finest. To not see patients in their home is a public safety risk. And that's taken things to another level where where uh, we can do a video just like we are right now at the at the kitchen table of a patient uh, in a remote community. And people, especially when they're scared and, and there's a lot of tension and anxiety, um, seeing somebody that they know and trust over a decade, the pillars of, of our work, and this really Epitomizes the importance of being able to access your family physician in a really, really stressful time. From my perspective, it's optimal to see patients in their home. They're more relaxed. It's um, more reflective of their, of their everyday life. Seeing patients in your office is, is quite artificial.
2: And using telehealth can be a way of being more patient-centered. As John highlighted, it can have benefits beyond just access when patients can't see you in your office. And it can give you new insights into their home or surroundings.
1: Sarah, I really like how John highlighted this. I know I learn so much when I see people outside of the clinic. That's why I like doing outreach. You get to see a different side of people than when they're in the office. So telehealth to the home gives you some of that when you can't see people by doing a home visit. So
2: our second idea is Really just take advantage of the fact that telehealth visits involve more listening. So intentionally take the time with patients to try to listen differently than you would if you were face-to-face in an office.
1: Well, John talked about having over a decade of experience. We also spoke with Dr. Alex Singer from Winnipeg. He's a family doctor there working in a community health center. And he's only recently moved to providing care remotely and almost exclusively by phone. The community health center that he works at was recently designated as a COVID testing site. All of the regular primary care that was going on there was essentially moved to virtual overnight. And with that short turnaround, really the, the, the only choice was to jump to the phone.
2: And you know, Morgan, what really surprised me was how Dr. Singer's recent experiences with phone-based telehealth has kind of opened his ears to new ways of listening to patients. And he has some great examples about how phone can be better than video in some cases.
0: I think you can still have a deep and meaningful conversation with people Even if it's just on the phone, even if there's no video, I think there is something about the medium that unlocks a little bit of people's personality. And there's a type of listening that you do when you're not looking at all of the facial expressions and trying to judge if their patient's being truthful or what their emotional state is. There is something about pure audio that you do listen a little differently.
2: Now, audio only is not the best for everything, but it triggers us to listen differently.
1: And Sarah, I think also having a little bit of distance may also allow a patient to be a bit more relaxed. And that means they might be a bit more open and feel more comfortable sharing, where they might be a little bit more hesitant in sort of the busyness and the intensity of a face-to-face office visit. And when patients are more comfortable speaking with you from their own home and over the phone, sometimes you can discover things just by taking the time and listening to their story. Alex uh, shared a great example uh, of how he felt that the phone helped his patient share more of a story that didn't come out during a whole number of face-to-face visits.
0: And I had an interaction with a with an old, old gentleman who's who'd been in my practice for quite a while, almost basically since I took it over, so almost a decade ago. He'd been losing weight for about a year. He was in his late sixties, you know, end stage COPD. So when he started losing weight, we got all concerned and did full workup, thinking for sure this guy has lung cancer. And almost a year went by, months and months, and we kept new residents would see him and get all worried because he continued to lose weight, just dropping and dropping. And I had an appointment, and he no showed. And it was it's rare that he no showed. So I picked up the phone and I called him, and I just said, you know, hey. Oh, I, I noticed you didn't make it to the appointment and, you know, we've been worried about you recently. So what's the story? Anyways, he completely opened up and it was really interesting that the phone call in some way, he was so thankful that I'd called him. It almost, it almost took away a layer of of the sort of face that you put on when you come into the visit that, you know, you dress up and you're it's a little artificial when you're in the room. And I guess he was sitting in his house and kind of looking around at his surroundings And he said, you know, I have to tell you the truth. I know why I've been losing weight. And he said, well, you know, about a year ago, I separated from my wife and she really did all the cooking and I don't know how to cook. And i just really haven't been eating very much. It was a really personal and sort of deep interaction. And I think taking that forward to sort of within this sort of COVID, you know, crisis And I think I listened a little bit more carefully to sort of some of the tones in his voice. And he listened a little bit more carefully to me. I've had that discussion with the residents a few times about particularly patients with mental health issues, where there's a concern that, you know, oh, well, if if we can't see them, you know, not having video, if we can't see them, are we missing something? And I, and more and more, I've been surprised and impressed and, uh, reassured that they say they've they've said you know I really was able to listen to their concerns and in my mind in in family medicine if you can listen really well you can come up with the right solution for the patient's problems but I also think that there there is a lot to be said about the the convenience and the patient centeredness of of being able to deliver care in that patient's home with a with a technology that allows you know a really a direct communication
2: so sometimes audio by itself helps you get a full history and connect better with your patients if you're using the phone create the space or time to listen and try in a new way like alex you might be surprised at what gets said
1: so sarah one of the things for me with phone visits is i usually use them as a very short check-in and what i heard from alex is that that's not how he's using it now so for me, it might be a quick lab result. I just wanted to let you know everything's fine. Or I want you to come in and we'll talk about it. But this it's a different mode that he's using and, and creating this longer visit on the phone. And that sort of sounds like what helped his patient share what he needed to share.
2: Well, I think it comes back to the idea of flexibility, right? And being aware of your patient's context and and what it is that you want to get across to them and what you're hoping to get get back. So really being flexible when you're when you're thinking about scheduling an appointment, is it going to be long or is it going to be a short check-in? Making sure that's known up front and then and then working from there.
1: Yeah. And and then shifting my mindset that it's going to be a longer visit and that's okay. Like it's going to be a regular visit on the phone to create that space. So I, I learned I learned that. I thought it was important from Alex. The next idea in contrast to using just the phone, is when you're using technology and video to see, take that time to see around the context of your patient. Also, they're going to see a little bit of a different side of you as well if you're on video. It doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, to set these things up these days. Everybody's using video conferencing from school to work to clinic. It's, it's not hard to do, and it's definitely worth doing if you're doing uh, some virtual visits.
2: And really, what you can see is so important. Video-based telehealth in in the home lets you see all these other aspects of patients' surroundings that you'd you'd never get in an office visit. So you see uh, where they're living, things around them. You might also see some of their family, how they're interacting. And all this gives you so much more information and context, which is just so valuable.
1: And that's coming from you as a medical anthropologist, so you should know, right? Of course. John also talked about this as well with his experience. And I think he highlighted it really well for us about how much more he sees when he gets to see into somebody's home.
3: I'm getting calls you know, every day and I video into someone's home and I can, I can see what their loved one looks like and I can see uh, how they're breathing and if they're struggling or if they look relaxed. You know, I always come back to this um, because as, we, as we, we live in a fast paced world and we, get, we go to medical school and we get taught 80% is in the story, right? 80% of the answer is in the story. Then, you know, your, your physical exam is, is meant to confirm what you heard in the story, but the gold is in the story and the gold also is in the observation part. What I've learned over, over 10 years is that telehealth has made me a better observer and listener. So I, number one, I speak slower, I observe better and I pay attention to little things that make a big difference.
2: And of course, patients will also be able to see into your world a little bit, either in your home office space or or, or your office that you're running your telehealth visits from. And that really helps to show that, that you're human as well.
1: Myself, I've, I've recently uh, put some of my grandmother's sculptures behind me uh, where the camera is. You know, I think it looks kind of interesting in the background, but it's also a bit of a conversation starter. And I'm I'm happy to share that part of my family's history in art and uh, a way for patients to see a different side of me than just the person in the exam room.
2: And we could see some of this in John's office when we were talking with them. And if we're working from home, sometimes our own family comes into the encounter as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So I have I have three kids and my wife's also a physician. And our the way we've arranged our schedules is we've we offset our clinical days. And so we've been sort of tagging off on the homeschooling. I I think I mind a little less when I hear the soccer ball banging against the wall to the office. I don't know that my patients know that it's a soccer ball.
1: I'm sure Alex's patients would appreciate that it's a soccer ball. They get to know a little bit more about him and his family.
2: So in this episode, we talked about a few aspects of how to be more patient-centered through telehealth. First, be flexible with the technology. Second, listen if all you can do is listen. And third, see more of your patients' contacts, their home, their family and surroundings.
1: So all of this can help build your relationships with your patients, even when you can't see them in person. So if you are providing telehealth now, use it to let your patients show and tell more of their stories and be intentional about what you can draw out of a visit. And that'll do it for this episode of Primary Care in a Pandemic. Thanks for listening.
3: This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network.